Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McAuliffe. That is the voice of Dick Warren, and this is the voice of Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you, you have to say it that way, Master Certified Coach in a lower register. Uh, thank you for l joining us today. You will not be sorry. You're going to be happy you were here. We're talking with an extraordinary um, leader and pioneer in coaching who also will tell us a lot about what's happening globally, but especially in his primary area of influence, which is India. We'll learn all about coaching with India as well as coach training and uh, a particular approach with uh, mind, I, I want to say mindfulness, but we're going to talk about mindlessness today. Uh, today, I believe we are operating with no co-host, co so it's, it's just a couple of brilliant coaches talking, and we're delighted that you've joined us. I should uh, let you know that uh, further in the conversation, we will talk about um, our longtime sponsor of this program, Accomplishment Coaching. Meanwhile, I'll let you know that if you're in North America or planning on being there and you're interested in the world's finest coach training program, please check out Accomplishment Coaching. Designed from the very beginning to be the finest in the world, it's not for everyone, but it could be of interest to you. Check it out, accomplishmentcoaching.com. Also, a couple of notes, a reminder that this year, 2019, uh, the International Coach Federation will have their Converge conference, that's their global conference, is back, this time in October in Prague. And what a beautiful place to be at a beautiful time. So make your plans now to uh, participate. You can find out more by going to coachfederation.org. That's coachfederation.org, the home of the ICF and all kinds of information, useful tools and um, event inf information. If you're not already an ICF member, you should definitely, definitely do that. All right, let's get right to it. I'm delighted, honored, and excited to have uh, our guest with us today, Ram Ramanthan, and that we'll find out if I said that correctly, is an accredited master coach and trainer with the ICF, with the EMCC, and with BCC credentials. He's the co-founder of Coach Aria uh, from 2013. It's a global organization with over 600 credentialed coaches, of whom 28 are MCCs. Uh, Ram is a coach with decades of CEO and serial entrepreneur experience, deeply interested in spirituality, and w please welcome to our microphones, Ram Ramanthan. How am I doing on the pronunciation, Ram? Uh, pretty close. <laughs> it's Ramanathan. Ramanathan. You just told me I've been practicing. Yeah, the, the lower register. Ramanathan. That's awesome. <laughs> I, apologies to not only you, but everyone with that surname. Thanks for the correction. And forgive my ignorant uh, American pronunciations of things. Well, I, I teased um, many of your credentials, but the thing that I think I'd love to dive right into is, as I said, you know, many of us are familiar or at least have heard the term mindfulness, and yet you focus on something you call mindlessness. What do you mean by mindlessness? Okay, um, let me start it this way. <coughs> Uh, mindfulness is touted to be a, a, a Buddhist practice, mm -hmm. and that is how it was introduced by Thich Nhat Hanh and various other people, and who then later developed that into um, a kind of a buzzword, as well as a highly commercialized proposition in the United States, a yeah. very good sales. Um, in fact, the word does not exist in the Buddhist vocabulary. 
uh, what Buddha talked about was mindlessness. He talked about a concept called the sunya, which means the void or emptiness, which actually meant that it was a no mind state. In Zen, this is called a beginner's mind or a no mind. Mm -hmm. In the Hindu uh, terminology, it is called the fourth state of awareness, which is a witnessing disengaged mode. And it's very far different from mindfulness, which essentially is the translation of the word for memory in the Pali and the Sanskrit language, which has sort of negative connotations in both these Buddhist and Hindu philosophies. And even if you take a modern interpretation by Freud and Jung, memories are about conditioned memories. They are about the bottom half or the bottom nine-tenth of the iceberg with traumas and guilt and shame and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And therefore, anything that is mindful is bound to bring up negative emotions within you, sensory perceptions, ego, and so on. So from a point of view of saying that from being totally uh, unobservant of whatever is happening around you, like a couch potato watching TV and showing fries into your mouth, to move into a state where you're more aware of what you're doing, yes, it's a good start. But to grow further in terms of awareness, one has to move out of the mindful state into something which is more, uh, in a sense, distance from the mind and body, uh, less sensory, less ego-based. And that is what I call as mindlessness, especially for coaches who I think need to be completely ego-free and non-judgmental. It seems, and, and you'll forgive me, I, I love your complete, comprehensive, and very clear and, and understandable explanation. You'll pardon me for saying so, but hearing this on first blush, it sounds like an argument almost against compassion and empathy. Um, okay. Uh, let me try to explain that part of it. Please. In fact, when you are in a mindless state, what you are moving from is an ego-based, uh, the small s self-based uh, mind state mm -hmm. into something much larger. You move from what we call the me to the we state. And in that state, what happens is you have far greater compassion. Mm. You have far greater empathy. It's all about how do you accept the other person. So if you look at from a coaching perspective, I would say it is the principle that aligns beautifully with unconditional positive regard and the total client-centric philosophy of Carl Rogers or the theory you or the generative listening of Otto Sharma and everything in between. So mindlessness is a state where you are detached and disengaged from the emotions taking over you without being obsessed about it. Like, for example, take a simple example. If someone is grieving about the loss of a dear one, and if you go there and start crying along with them, it doesn't help at all. Clear. You're just one more person who's adding to the woes of the other person. And it's today been proven by experiments that when you even hug another person and cry when they are mourning, even a couple of years later, when you meet that person and hug, the memories come back, they are anchored kinesthetically, and the person bursts out into tears, old wounds opening up, as it were. 
So distancing, disengaging, uh, and witnessing around, and everything that he says is with absolute childish innocence. It's the beginner's mind, curious, innocent. But at the same time, he is not getting caught in his emotions. He is staying away from that. And he has been trained into that state of mindlessness, the no mind, which is what Buddha taught as sunya or the void. That's a lot. Okay, I'm, I'm clear. It sounds to my mind, mind, <laughs> probably the wrong thing to say. Um, it sounds to my ear that the beginning place, that it's almost hierarchical, that the beginning place is, as you say, you know, being aware of the chips you're putting in your mouth while you're sitting on the couch watching vapid television, that, and that you're proposing mindlessness as sort of the next evolution or the next state. Once you become aware of what you're up to and what you're doing and what's happening around you, now the idea is to get your ego and base emotions, we might think of it as a lizard brain, part sort of quieter or out of it, out of the way, perhaps, so that you can truly be with someone else in what many of us know from Zen as beginner's mind, or as you say, the fourth state of awareness in Hinduism. The, this opening up greater compassion, and sometimes compassion being not just emoting, but really allowing the, the highest and best of what's needed in the situation. Am I picking up what you're laying down so far? Yeah, let, let, let me uh, try and um, yeah, uh, make it a little more clear. Um, there are, uh, in, the, uh, in the Hindu theory, uh, not so much in the Buddhist theory, there are four states of awareness, and this is described in a treatise called the Mandukya Upanishad, which has got 12 verses. And the first state of awareness is what one would call the mindful state the awake state in which the mind and body awareness exists. And that's a state in which most of us are most of the time, and for good reasons. I mean, that is how, let's say, if you were operating a machine, if you were uh, driving a car and things like that, you need to be uh, fairly sensorily perceptive, and both your body and mind need to be uh, interactive in that particular space. So there is nothing wrong with being mindful. Um, it, the only problem is that the mindful serves in many of those kind of situations. But when you come to something like coaching or when you are in need of a state where you need to be beyond judgment, beyond ego, um, those kind of things, and you need to be completely client-centric, empathetic, then you need to move beyond that state, beyond the mind and body awareness. So the second state that this Upanishad describes is called uh, the dream state, as it were. It's like the subconscious state. And if I were to give you a neurobiological equivalent, at the awake state, we are in the beta wave, uh, brainwave pattern between 12 to 20. And then the alpha state is what the dream state is, where you become more relaxed. Uh, we call it meditative. It's not really meditative. I'll come to that later, 8 to 12 uh, hertz. And then you go into what is called the deep sleep state, which is from almost 0 to 8, the theta and the delta wave pattern. And finally, you come to the fourth state of awareness, where you disengage from thoughts. Very often people say, 
that meditation is about having no thoughts. That is impossible. As long as you are alive, you are in the mind and body. Every inhalation that follows an exhalation is a desire to live. It's a thought. And you can never be far from it. But what you can be is not be obsessed about not dying or anything else for that matter. So you can go above that and you are able to witness it, not becoming an actor in that play. And that is really what the fourth state means. And I have been measured when in deep meditation. And when I was first measured about 20, 25 years ago, uh, two young researchers from England who tried it, worked with me and several other things, very, very uh, uh, with powerful instruments. They said, first they told, took a whole lot of pictures of me and I asked them, what is that going to show? Uh, I, was a, I was a healer at that point in time and I was doing healing meditation. They said, if you actually are in healing meditation, uh, the colors that will show up in these pictures, these are called some interference pictures, would be green and it'll, your whole body would turn green. And that's exactly what happened. They took about a sequence of pictures over 20 minutes and gradually the entire body became green. Uh, it wasn't a trickery. It actually, uh, they were able to show me uh, the sequence of events. And but they, when they put a um, skull cap on me, as it were, with multiple electrodes and put me onto a kind of an electroencephalograph machine to measure the brain waves, they said we are confused because your brainwave pattern we would expect in meditation to be eight to twelve or lower theta meditation, but yours is going beyond the range of this machine. We don't know what is happening. And today we know, thanks to Herbert Benson, who was at the Harvard Medical School that there is something called the gamma waves, which are beyond 20. They are usually 30, 40, even going up to 70, 80. And later when I measured, I was in the gamma state of uh, brainwave. And that is what the fourth state is. It's a very active, but disengaged witnessing state. So that's really what the difference is. It's extraordinary, and I can't tell you how much I would like every one of my guests to show up with some scientific uh, data to back up their claims. <laughs> it's so interesting, the opportunity that's available in the human mind. So one of the takeaways that I have is especially those of us in the Western world, you, you recommend that we immediately and forever start a practice of meditation. Is that accurate? Well, uh, yes, in a way, um, but in, in the sense that meditation is not uh, a religious uh, or one of these kind of rituals or anything of that sort. Meditation is a practice, just like anything else, we can learn and move it. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Yuval Harari, um, great writer. Yes. He's written books on the sapient and so on. Uh, he dedicates one of his books to Goenka, who introduced this meditation concept called Vipassana, which was originally taught by Buddha, 10 days silent meditation. It's one of the best meditation that you can ever start with, 10 days of silence, and something phenomenally powerful happens to you. You start with breath and mind awareness and gradually go beyond that into a state where you are no longer aware of the mind and the body. You go beyond into an energy state. Um, yes, it helps. Uh, whether... You can do it only through meditation or there are other means. I have no idea, to be honest. I was trained through the meditative practice. But it's very possible that there are people 
who by nature are so reflective that they are able to go into a state which is akin to meditation and they get themselves disengaged. I've known people like that who are not uh, what you might call as traditional meditators, but who are pretty much in the meditative state all that time. They are deeply reflective, deeply introspective, very disconnected from the ego state. Uh, so, uh, but, but for an ordinary Joe, you and me, I guess, I'm not about you, but certainly me, uh, I had to go through the process of meditation <laughs> to be able to learn that. So that is something which I have been doing. I started with Transcendental Meditation about almost 50 years ago, and I progressed to various others and Vipassana, which really changed my life. And using many of these combinations, I have developed my own technique, which I teach people. So um, yes, in a way, coming back to what you said, meditation would be a useful tool uh, for you to become self-reflective, disengaged, less egoistic. Uh, in a sense, moving, again, going to a state which is far more powerful than mindful. Uh, I mean, if you were to look at it, like today people talk about manufacturing 4.0, for instance. Similarly, I would say this would be mindfulness 4.0, which is mindlessness. It's just extraordinary. All right. So uh, I'm part of my role, I think, is to translate this for coaches that may not be in the same uh, level of both uh, education experience and readership, you know, of, uh, that you are. Is, is it fair to say that for most coaches, some sort of meditative practice, and, you know, I'm, I love the idea of the Vipassana, but also a 10-day silent meditation for most of us in the, you know, Western hustle-bustle mindset are going to reject it out of hand because we don't have 10 days. So is it your recommendation that we all start with some level of meditative practice, even if it's, you know, 12, 30, 85 seconds? Yeah, I, I, I would say initially for you to start with, a, a very, very simple uh, breath awareness meditation. Uh, 20, 30 seconds, maybe asking for a little bit too much. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> supposing you had about five to 10 minutes, I can take you through a very, very simple process. Essentially, all that involves is take a deep breath from as deep as you can from below your diaphragm and hold it for a certain time as long as you are comfortable exhale completely and then hold it for a certain period of time and just repeat this mm. and if you do that for about five minutes you would find that you are moving into a state even though you are watching your breath you are doing a breath exercise you can gradually move into a state which is beyond the mind and the senses i mean this is very very simplistic i'm, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible and so there is there are two or three such phases so in about 20 minutes, I can teach anyone to go into a kind of a meditation, a mind, mindless meditation, which um, you would be able to repeat at any point in time. Again, maybe five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Um, all that I would, in response to what you're saying, uh, five seconds or 10 seconds, it, I mean, it's like we all want pre-digested, pre-cooked, pre-everything, instant noodles. Instant, exactly. Right? So that, that, that's not going to work. Instant gratification is shown not to work. Um, there has to be some pain if you want to get some gain. It's as simple as that. 
So I think 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day is not too much to ask. But it can change your life because in 20 minutes, you can learn a practice where you can actually visualize something that you want to happen as a reality that is happening now. And it's so deeply anchored into your unconscious mind that it would happen absolutely clearly. I mean, if somebody wants scientific proof, I have literally worked with thousands of people, documented, and it happens. And if you want spiritual proof, you can go back to a guy called Charles Handel, who wrote about 100 years ago a book called The Master Key System, which later was sort of morphed into the secret, uh, which I don't think works at all. But <laughs> the master key system of Charles Handel is absolutely brilliant. Yes. And he, he comes from uh, statements of Jesus, for example, in terms of thinking about something that you want to achieve as something that has been achieved, and it will happen. And that's true. It will happen. So the mindless state enables you to get that uh, to that state and make it happen. Um, so you can take me up on it. I can take you through a 20-minute uh, mindless meditation, and you can then compress it to whatever time that you want. Ten seconds, no. I would say at least about five minutes. And within that period, you would find gradually your life changing. I would love to take you up on it. And with your permission, uh, at another time, or sure. at, in another um, recording that we could attach to this one, I'm definitely fascinated and impressed. It sounds like you and I have a lot of the same reading habits, and I'm uh, finding this delightful. But I'd love to move from this sort of educational and, and very large picture to a more specific or perhaps micro picture. You are a co-founder of Coach Aria. We should sell, spell that for people. It's C-O-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. And it's available at coacharia.com. Again, it's C-O-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. Um, I'd love to know how this viewpoint, this amazing depth that you have about Eastern philosophies and the mix with Western philosophies and science is impacting your coach training. When people come to Coach Area to get training, what sort of training are you providing? Okay, let me start with um, a bit of the name itself. The word Kocharya is a combination of two words, the English word coach with a Sanskrit word called Acharya. The word Acharya literally means one who walks by your side. He's not a mentor. He's not a teacher. He just walks by your side. He's your equal, and he holds a mirror to you. And that's what I would imagine a coach should be. So the two words put together, it, it's almost, I mean, it was kind of an epiphany for me. It happened. Beautiful. Um, and uh, I talked to my son, who's my co-founder, and first he said, what the hell are you talking about? But then he said, hey, this, this is something brilliant. Let, let's work on it. And we had a young friend, his childhood friend, um, who translated into a logo, which you see today on the Kucharya website, which is like a zero on top of an infinity, which is like a yogi meditating uh, with cross legs. And the zero represents the state of mind where the mind and body are zero. And the mind and body zero leads to infinite energy. It just E equals MC square, it's just quantum physics, Einsteinian formula. And that is what Kocharya represents. And it is not an Eastern philosophy. If you move away from the Rene Descartes kind of model of I think and therefore I am, which was what was practiced before the 
Freudian Jungian, Freud made the unconscious conscious, as it were. Much of what has happened in Western philosophy and much of humanistic theory and today neurobiology, even quantum science, is pretty much similar to what was conveyed in the Eastern philosophy. All that we are really trying to do is to bring to people the awareness that this has been there for a long time. This is ancient wisdom, and not just in the Hindu Buddhist philosophy. It has been there in many others, including shamanism and so on and so forth. And people need to respect that wisdom, and they can gain a lot from it. And this is how we started, and that is how I started. Uh, when I started uh, my coaching purely by accident, I had gone into a monastic journey. Um, I didn't have a Ferrari to sell, but I wanted to become a monk. Um, it didn't uh, work out that way. I wrote 30 books, and then I discovered the guy who was uh, I considered to be my guru was doing all kinds of stuff which he told us not to do. He was a hypocrite of the highest order. So I left um, and somehow landed uh, into a coaching space, and I loved it. Uh, I learned far more about it, and it became a spiritual journey for me. I was a third professionally certified coach in India at that point in time. Today, Amazing. We, we set up Coach Arya in 2012, I think. Uh, I graduated in 2011 from ICF, uh, PCC. Um, we have ourselves trained uh, six to 700 people, as, I, you, as you said, 28 of them are MCCs. All that we are really trying to do is, uh, my, my sincere belief is that every person who joins us, whoever he or she is, is capable of being a master coach. So we start with that basic philosophy. We don't treat them as ACCs and PCCs. We would like to start with them as master coaches, and many of them have ended up as master coaches today. Um, and we also believe that coaching is not merely about those bunch of competencies that are there on the ICF and other websites, but it's a lot more. It's organizational development theory. It's about a lot of psychological theories. It's about many other things. Can we bring all that together as a much larger wisdom for people to learn from? And for me, Carl Rogers is probably uh, the epitome of all that coaching stands for, his theory of client-centricity, congruence, empathy, and unconditional positive regard. And more modern, Otto Schama, I love his theory, you. So we just keep adding all this content. Sometimes our trainers tell me, I mean, where are we going to learn all this from? But that, that's what we need to do. We, we need to keep progressing, learning. There's so much material out there. Um, yeah, in a sense, that's our philosophy. We are, we are trying to create an environment uh, where learning is, is the most important thing to happen. Creation of self-awareness along with that learning is what happens. And the labeling be it ACC, PCC, or MCC, to me is uh, a byproduct. It happens. Yeah. It will happen. Very clear. Happen. Yeah. I love that. And uh, we're about to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Coach Aria, including some upcoming programs and how it differs from other coach training. But I also want to talk about your experience and what you have to share with us about executive coaching and about developing leaders. In the meantime, my dear listener, go immediately to Coach Aria, that's C-O-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A dot com to find out more about Ram and the 
incredible work they're doing, as well as, you know, fill up your Amazon uh, <laughs> shopping cart with the master key system of Charles Hannell or maybe Sapiens by Yuval Harari or Jung or Freud or Carl Rogers so you can catch up to this extraordinary man. after these important messages. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the World Finest Coach Training Program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. And I do want to speak to you about a couple of uh, quick things for uh, sponsors of our program. So if you'll uh, put on your listening ears for just a moment, I want to let you know that Accomplishment Coaching, available at AccomplishmentCoaching.com, is home of the world's finest coach training program. If you're in North America or going there, uh, there are programs in Seattle, Washington, San Diego, California, Victoria, British Columbia in Canada, as well as Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., uh, you can find out more by going to the Accomplishment Coaching website. But what I love about them is that not only have they been designed from the very beginning to be the world's finest coach training program, meaning you get more actual coaching by a professional coach for yourself. You provide more coaching for live human beings. All the training is in person. There, you read more books. You have more hours of instruction than any other program out there. So they've designed it to be the world's finest. In addition, they offer something that I've never heard of before, which is that you can go and observe the coach's training program in action. So you can just go and sit as a fly on the wall or as an observer and uh, see what it's all about. And most of the time, 
you know, we don't allow that sort of thing. It's a black box for most coach training programs. So I'm delighted to have their sponsorship and to be a, a booster of accomplishment coaching. Please go check them out. I also want to remind you that there's a body equals brain program. One of our guests on the program uh, is Amanda Blake. She's done incredible work, and you can find out more by going to mbright, E-M-B-R-I-G-H-T.org, mbright.org. What I want you to know is that it's an extraordinary program. There's one in February and in March. Basically, you can skyrocket your confidence, your competence, and your impact as a coach. This is something that's extraordinary and will impact your coaching immediately. Uh, again, you can find programs that start as soon as April and enrollments available in March. Go check it out, mbright, E-M-B-R-I-G-H-T dot org or mbright.org forward slash body hyphen brain or just check it out, mbright, E-M-B-R-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G. The book is Your Body is Your Brain, and it has five-star rating on Amazon. It's good stuff. All right, continuing now in our conversation with, and Ram, I'm going to ask you to say it because I could only fail at this point. Ram, <laughs> the incredible pioneer, the incredible Ram Ramanathan, who is a master coach, a, a co-founder of Coach Aria, and a leading coach not only in our field but in coach training, and uh, does headquarters anyway uh, of his work are in India. I believe you're joining us today from Bangalore. Is that true? Yeah. It's been a delightful conversation already. We've learned a lot. And I can't speak for everyone, but I know that now Otto Scharmer's work, Theory U, is in my Amazon shopping cart ready to be delivered to me, as well as the Master Key System by Charles Hanel, H-A-A-N-E-L. Uh, are there other books that you recommend as sort of uh, starting places or learning places for coaches? Yeah, we, we, we generally recommend uh, Carl Rogers, um, Otto Sharma, Sir John Whitmore. Oh. I personally uh, love uh, the Inner Game series by Timothy Galway. I trained with oh, him yeah. as a facilitator at one point in time. Um, nice. I really like uh, Marshall Goldsmith, What Got You, Who Won't Get You There. Uh, so I, I'm an absolutely inveterate uh, uh, reader. Uh, now, much beyond um, the coaching space, yes, Yuval Harari, um, all his three books, uh, Sapien, Homo Deus, and uh, the 21 Lessons, and so on. So, right. I mean, <laughs> you can't stop. There are so many of them. And uh, you talked about the, the body is a brain. Um, uh, people who are interested in this should read uh, uh, Molecules of Emotion by Candice Pert, for example. Uh, she was one of the first people to prove that it's just not the neural pathways, but uh, the blood cells have the intelligence and they, they, are, they have the emotional intelligence as well. Uh, uh, yeah, you, if you go to my website, there are about, I think we have put down about 10 books to read, but uh, probably there are 100 that we recommend. Most people have a problem with too many books to read. Indeed. Something something about that stack behind our, or next to our bed or, or on our desk, yeah? Thank you so much for those recommendations. Let's talk about Coach Aria in the sort of the micro level. How do people get involved? How, do you, how have you organized coach training through Coach Aria? Well, um, when I started um, in 2012, um, soon after I credentialed, I associated myself with uh, 
the people that I trained with and offered a program in partnership in India. Uh, they were happy for me to do that because they had just then taken a risk in China, made a huge amount of losses. And they said that if you are willing to take the risk, that's fine. Um, uh, probably, I mean, I, I was uh, like uh, the fools going where the angels fear to trade kind of a stuff. <laughs> I did that. And my, uh, but, but the, the good thing that I did was because of my background in business, um, I was always very customer centric. So I, I tried to look at people who would potentially hire me as a coach, for instance. So I became a member of uh, a few uh, HR kind of organizations in India. And in one of them, uh, I worked with them for about three months uh, as a volunteer. Um, and when they found that I was a coach and I was able to add some value to them, uh, many of them said, if you were willing to train us to be coaches, we will join you. And we would like you to be face-to-face. -face. This organization that I was partnering, they offered at that time purely internet-based coaching. So that is how I started. And um, by then, I had been through the spiritual practices and um, I had certain processes of visualization which had helped me. So I, I visualized that I would have a class of 25, and I had exactly a class of 25. Um, that was in 2012. And for the next two years, I trained about 150 people, all in Bangalore. People came from all over India. Um, we by then had become clearly the largest in India, bigger than anyone else, uh, including the the international ones, but I was still partnering with this uh, other institution. And at a point in time, I found it was limiting me. Um, I wanted to expand into areas beyond just the competencies which they were focusing on. Things I, I was also parallelly I trained in NLP. I was interested in positive psychology, into transactional analysis, Jungian psychology, and stuff, and also the Indian lit uh, ancient Hindu literature. Um, so. Uh, well, I, I, I said, let me start on my own. And uh, so I applied for an ICF ACSGH certification, started with that first. I didn't have an MCC qualification at that point in time. Ram, Ram uh, forgive yeah. me. Forgive me for interrupting. What I'm interested in is the, I appreciate the, the knowledge of your path, but I think what people would be more uh, looking at is how you've organized your training to be commensurate with the different uh, levels of certification, because I think that's unique in the marketplace. You know, typically people have either forever modules or just one module, but you've got sort of pieces that get you toward your uh, certification. I think there are a lot of people who are interested in certification these days. Would you would you speak to that? Yeah, w what we have now uh, is ACTP programs, uh, which basically train to PCC with 125 hours. And then we have multiple a library of modules uh, which address different spaces. There is one purely for neuro-linguistic programming. Uh, one is a plain vanilla foundation program, another one on executives. And there is one for mastery. Uh, all of them are ACTP accredited by ICF. Uh, so depending upon what people want, if there is sufficient uh, demand for it, we would run those programs for them. So we run corporate programs as well. I, we have now about 20 associates across the globe, um, and uh, they're all, most of them are MCCs or currently in process of becoming MCCs. So they deliver these programs. I work in, with uh, mastery level programs along with my program director, Cindy. Um, in, a, in a simple way, if that is 
what you're looking at. Uh, yes, we we primarily work with ICF ACTP programs, but you're also parallelly accredited by European Mentoring and Coaching Council, as well as the Center for Credential Education for the BCC. So our 125-hour program, which is uh, accredited by ICF for PCC, uh, would also simultaneously qualify for the European Mentoring Coaching Council for Senior Practitioner and with the Center for Credentialing Education for BCC. Which is amazing. As far as I know, you're the only people in the world that do that. Do you think there are others that do that? That sort of triple credential? As far as I know, we are the only one. Uh, there are others who have done both the ICF and EMCC. I know of a few, very few. Mm -hmm. um, but we deliberately did this because we wanted to offer people options. And a truly global approach. That's extraordinary. Now, may I ask, how are your programs designed? Is this, I need to fly to Bangalore and do schedule some days of sightseeing? Is it online? How, how are the, <laughs> the trainings organized? No. No, no, it's much more convenient than that. We have um, internet uh, Zoom-based programs. Um, so in, in fact, today about 50% of our programs, or maybe more in terms of numbers that they are growing, uh, is purely virtual. Um, and we also offer face-to-face -face training in almost all the large metros in India, uh, Mumbai, Delhi, Chennai, Bangalore, and so on. So we combine both. And for those um, who are able to do both, we have had quite a few people, like you said, they wanted to take a trip out to India, maybe spend three days with us, and the rest of the time they could do it virtual. They blend that together. <clears throat> so uh, we, we, we have started, uh, I mean, we combine all these options to, to make it easy. We, we are being truly client-centric, let me put it that way, learner-centric. It's, uh, it's an extraordinary program. I also noticed that you have a mindlessness program coming up in India uh, in person. Will you tell us about the Create Your Future program? Yeah, that, that's uh, in about two weeks' time. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I've been doing this for a long time, um, but uh, specifically designed for coaching and aligned to the ICF competencies. And uh, this particular batch, uh, it, the class size is going to be very limited, just about 12 people. Um, so I'm going to do it over the weekend of 22nd to 24th, a couple of weeks from now. Uh, it's in a way... Um, I, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, this program in Stanford called uh, the school program called Design Your Future. Uh, yes. There's an eponymous book which is written on that as well. Um, it's a very good book. It's, it's, a, it's a very um, uh, powerful one. Now, um, it's very cognitive in many senses. The, the kind of program that I run uh, goes much deeper into it. Uh, it it's uh, very energy-based and also it's about working. One of the reasons that we do not even get off, get to start to go where we want to, is because of conditioning. Um, there are barriers within us. Uh, coaching is primarily based on that concept. Uh, what we try and do is to overlay things on top of it, trying to create a purpose, a meaning, and so on and so forth. Very often it doesn't work, simply because uh, the condition layers are far too powerful. They are far big two big barriers to, to be overcome. So there is a process uh, in the ancient Hindu wisdom uh, called the chakra energization process, which works with the energy centers in the body for emotions, and you can cleanse them. Uh, so in a, in a very simple sense, you, you can remove all, all the, uh, there's, there's one of our associate trainers who uses this word, let the black water flow. 
um, you open the tap and let the black water flow till it becomes clear. So till the whole systems become clear, your mind space become a tabula rasa, as it were, white space. And then you imprint uh, a long-term vision, which is aligned to uh, uh, your purpose, your meaning, which we work on, like a hero's journey, uh, all that st stuff together. It's very, very experiential. Um, normally, it takes about six days. Um, I've compressed it to about three, so I'm offering it now just to check it out, see how it works, how people resonate with it. Very exciting. All right. Well, we've gone through a lot of things, but there's still more things to go through. Uh, one of the things that you have expertise in after working with for decades now with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and uh, organizational leaders is leadership. And you've got a, I'm not sure what to call it, an approach, a, a view of leadership that you call mindless, barefoot leadership. Will you share that with us? Yeah, okay. Um, at one level, yes, I, I, I worked with multinationals like Unilever at one point in time. I became a CEO, a young professional organization member at the age of 39, uh, all that stuff. And then I went, uh, during that part, I also had the opportunity to work in rural communities, very underprivileged, uh, what you might call the villages in India, and help to set up uh, a cooperative of sorts. And in the process, found that the business unit that I was running, which was running at a loss for 25 years, we were making it profitable. So one of the lessons that I learned was that you can be philanthropic. At the same time, you can also add tremendous value to the organization that you are working with. And the organization can be profitable. And also that at the level, what you might normally consider people to be illiterate, um, underprivileged, they had leadership qualities which were very innate, and it could very easily be developed by working with them, giving them the opportunity to express themselves. So which is what I started calling as a barefoot leadership. Uh, there were many people who worked with me, young people at that point in time today who are CEOs of many companies in India. Uh, I'm still in touch with many of them, and that kind of experience that we had together was completely amazing. So today, one of the concepts that I'm working with is really uh, persuade companies to identify communities which are underprivileged and work with them to develop them, not out of charity or philanthropy, but also to help themselves. And it's possible uh, in many companies, either for marketing purposes or getting them to train and so on and so forth. We've had some success in starting this up. And the, the whole part of the mindless part of it is if you are doing it without ego, without uh, a, a, a selfish motive to it, but a much larger benefit, as you said earlier, compassion and empathy and so on and so forth. Uh, so it was just a play on words in that sense. Uh, it makes people sit up and notice like you have noticed when I call something mindless barefoot leadership. So they want to know what the hell is he talking about? So at least <laughs> people are curious and ask me questions. So maybe it'll lead to something. So that's what it is. And I, I think uh, there, there are companies, for example, um, yeah, I mean, Unilever is a company that I worked with and I have tremendous respect for. And uh, Paulson, who was the CEO till recently of Unilever, uh, he has this whole concept of sustainability. And one of the things that they are really working on is um, this multiple uh, 
profitability factors, for example, uh, double bottom lines and triple bottom lines and so on and so sure. forth. And then th there are a few companies which are truly conscious environmentally and uh, longer term. And, and we, we really need many more of those kind of organizations which would uh, probably follow this line. And that's what I'm looking for. Beautiful. For coaches working with leaders or emerging leaders, whether it's emerging leaders or leaders with uh, silver hair like me, what uh, what advice do you have? Where do you, if you could give people sort of one magic wand or tip today, what would it be? <laughs> there, there, there wouldn't be one, Christopher. So, yeah. uh, first of all, I, I don't believe in magic wands and magic rings. Um, oh. When I was about 10, I did, but I don't anymore. <laughs> magic uh, beans? No, no, okay. <laughs> Golden eggs? Anything? So, so no. very simply put, I, I think it's what I find working with people. If you're looking at organizations today, I think systemic coaching, uh, which Peter Hawkins talks about, and I'm hoping to work with him more. I, I do know him. I've met him. Fantastic person. That, that really, to me, is a magic bullet. Uh, when we talk about coaching, many companies are still looking at it as an individual solution. It doesn't work. When you just work with individuals uh, in isolation, uh, almost like islands, then in that case, when they go back to the place that they work, either they regress into what they were before or they resign. They move out of the company. And... This was an experience that I had uh, some years ago, about five or six years ago. So I started experiment with working with teams, for example, and then with a larger organizational alignment. And it was tremendously far more powerful. And, mm -hmm. and then I met people like uh, David Clutterberg, for instance, and who, who is an expert on team coaching, uh, Peter Hawkins. And Google has done this fantastic study called the Project Aristotle. There are many of these concepts which are coming together today in aligning the individuals to the organization through a team approach. Um, this is something that I believe is going to be the future. Uh, organizations have to demand, first of all, which they are not demanding as yet. If I'm paying so much of money to coach an individual, what is that organization going to get at the end of the day? They are so far looking just at, oh, there's a behavioral change. An abrasive manager has become not abrasive. Okay, fine. So what? How is it going to reflect in the growth of the organization, its profitability? Um, so if you are really looking at um, a magic bullet, um, I think systemic coaching is one. And I think more and more uh, organizations across the world are combining, in a sense, mentoring with coaching. People don't have the time. Like just now you said, 10 seconds, I want to do that. So if you work with a CEO, the CEO is not going to sit there and explore like the Buddha contemplating his navel uh, for eternity. It's not going to happen. So they are going to look for something quick. Uh, so if, and that's for the reason why a CEO would look for another person who has been a CEO like me perhaps or someone else who actually can also, who, who walk that talk and who would be able to help them as a coach. So you combine uh, the coaching approach with mentoring approach, which I think is far more powerful in the way that European Mentoring Coaching Council looks at coaching rather than ICF. So there has to be some amount of flexibility in terms of how ICF looks at coaching versus mentoring. These are a couple of thoughts that I have. What a beautiful, comprehensive view of things. Um, 
our time is has flown by and we've got a bit more of it about four minutes i think i want to give you an opportunity to speak to the broader picture of coaching in the world coaching globally coaching in your culture and in society generally what do you see for coaching what is your uh vision of the future if you choose to uh, share it with us or where can we as coaches make the biggest impact in our world? It's, it's very, very simple. I'm crystal clear on this. I would like to start working with young people, adolescents, who are probably in the age groups of between 15 and 25 or something of that sort. And that is where they are really, I mean, they can be, in many ways, they can absorb things. And hmm. many of them are today confused about what is happening, so much of information overload and so on. And they are amazingly intelligent. I work with people who are 18 and 19, and they teach me every time that I work with them. I learn from them. So it's tremendously energizing and fulfilling. And that is what is going to change the world. And places like India, where we have a huge problem with the disparity between men and women, I would certainly like to work with women who are underprivileged young women and move them into a space where they can be completely be empowered and they are potentially the leaders of this world and and my own experience is that uh, women make much better coaches than men do and they also make much better leaders than men do uh, and and so th this is a space that uh, certainly within the limited expiry date uh, conditions that i have this is something that i would like to look at and which can create a change in the way that our society is. It's an extraordinary vision. Um, any any invitation for people who may want to work with you on this? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they can reach reach out to me, uh, Ram R A M at Kocharya C O A C H A R Y A dot com or my LinkedIn, uh, Ramis Ramanathan, and then they reach out to me. So what we are really looking at is to create an alliance across the world. And uh, yeah, hopefully, if this podcast leads to that, thank you very much, Christopher. <laughs> well, we do what we can. Oh, it's been delightful. Thank you so much for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you for your clarity, your vision, and your brilliance. It's a delight to talk to you. And thanks for staying up quite late, I believe, at night there. Um, that is the amazing, the powerful, the extraordinary visionary that is Ram Ramanathan. How did I do? Absolutely, brilliantly. And take me Finally, up on the meditation huh? practice. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right. You can find out more by going to Coach Aria. That's C-O-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A dot com. And as you've said, you've got the opportunity to contact him directly. Find out more about their coach training programs, their executive coaching, and other work around mindlessness. Um, meanwhile, check out also our sponsor, Accomplishment Coaching, if you're interested in that sort of thing, that coach training thing, and uh, as well as uh, the programs of Coach Aria and uh, the body brain work by going to embright, E-M-B-R-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G. Thank you, my dear listener, for listening. Uh, it's been an extraordinary opportunity to be with Ram, and I thank you for listening to us each and every week as we bring you people who are leaders doing something interesting or just plain uh, entertaining here on The Coaching Show, brought to you by Accomplishment Media, where you can find a plethora of uh, podcasts. <laughs> that, that is the correct. It's a... a uh, 
plethora of podcasts as well as other information check it out accomplishment media it's a soft launch now but it's going to get bigger and of course wherever fine podcasts are available that includes um iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your local podcast. I want to thank everyone uh, associated today, including uh, Todd and Genevieve in our booth, as well as our producer, Clarice Connolly. You can find out more by coming to thecoachingshow.com or accomplishmentmedia.com. All right. Uh, I think we've shouted out to everything. Please go check out coachfederation.org for the Converge Conference, as well as accomplishmentcoaching.com for the world's finest coach training program. That's it for me, Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. We will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. That's all for today's edition. We will talk to you next week.